Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following broadcast is produced by Brookside Meeting House Companies, LLC, doing business as Forget-Me-Not Ancestry. Morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jane Wilcox, and this is the Forget Me Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told. Welcome to the show. This morning, we have a another wonderful topic. It's uh, settlers of the Beekman patent, and my guest is uh, Frank J. Dougherty. He is the author of the uh, series of books called Settlers of the Beekman Patent. I met Frank uh, via email regarding his research in Dutchess County a couple of years ago and then met him in person at the Dutchess County Genealogical Society's uh, meeting where I was uh, giving a talk last year. And I thought it's about time that I featured the Beekman patent on the Forget Me Dot Hour. So uh, Frank agreed to come on to the show and talk about uh, his, his extraordinary work on the Beekman patent. So Frank, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jane. Glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad you're here, too. So as I uh, ask all of my guests at the beginning of the show, would you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you were born, raised, your education, and your careers? Sure. Uh, I was born in the Bronx, 
and uh, raised in Lake Carmel, which is Putnam County, New York. I graduated from Manhattan College in the, in the Bronx, New York City. I started working in the family business when I was age 15, and I retired after 45 years in 1996. I was president of several manufacturing and mining companies, and my son Darren is now the CEO of that, and uh, he's got uh, close to 200 people working for him in the businesses. Wow, and wow. I didn't my, know that my, about you. My retirement basically has been uh, writing since 1996. <laughs> okay. So, so how did you get interested in genealogy? Well, uh, it really started in 1972. Um, my wife and I were looking for a farm where she could keep her horses. And we purchased the Buck Farm in the town of LaGrange in Dutchess County. And uh, the farm was uh, great. It had barns and about seven acres of pasture. And we bought the farm from John Lussingbuck, the first husband of Arthur Pearlbuck. So I'm not the first writer to uh, live in this house. Um, his brother, Clifford M. Buck, was a prominent genealogist in Dutchess County. And when I asked him about the history of the house, he provided me with some records of deeds and mortgages and tax lists and census records that he had abstracted and published for the area. He was a very well-recognized uh, uh, genealogist in Dutchess County. Anyway, then I decided to try and find the people who had lived in the house, parts of which I later found dated to 1762. I visited the New York Historical Society Library and found early maps of the area and found that the Buck Farm was originally 60 acres and the smallest uh, farm in what I later found was the Beekman Patent. The annual rental on this farm was two fat fowls, two chickens. And on it went. <laughs> After that, I just kept digging. Who was the original tenant then on the farm? It was uh, Peter Dopp. He was a Palatine immigrant. Um, well, he's, actually, he's the son of a Palatine immigrant. And uh, I don't know if your listeners know about the Palatines, but they're, uh, it's very interesting. We have the, uh, you know, the settlements and the camps all around the world today. And uh, the Palatines were uh, 18th century emigrants in the Middle Rhine region of the Holy Empire, Holy Roman Empire. And uh, about 1709, uh, about 13,000 of German emigrants, including the, from the Palatinate, went to uh, England. And, uh, you know, they set up tents and camps like, as I say, we, we see in uh, in Syria and other places today. Uh, the English uh, sent them over to uh, the United States and to Ireland also and uh, other places. In, in 1710, they, uh, they sent over, uh, let's see, 3,000, I just have a note here, 3,000 Palatines and 10 ships in 1710. And uh, they were supposed to uh, find ship stores for the, uh, the British. They had exhausted a lot of their trees for uh, ship masts and they needed uh, pitch from uh, pine trees to uh, you know keep the ships from leaking and they heard that there were a lot of uh, pine trees in the Hudson Valley well they got here and they found out there were white pines not yellow pines and so eventually the whole thing fell apart but anyway they were uh, they they settled mostly up around the Rhinebeck area and um the, uh, after about after about 1720, a few of them started coming down into the Beekman patent, which is uh, the other part of uh, Henry Beekman's patent. 
Okay. Which we talk, we'll be talking a little bit about the history of in, in just a minute. So then your introduction yep. to genealogy was through the house. Yes, right. Yeah, I, uh, one of the, the things that uh, is unusual about me, I have no family interest in this thing whatsoever. It's all just a, a geographical study of the people who lived here. Very interesting. Then did you start researching your own family, or are you just interested in the Beekman patent? Just the Beekman patent. Others in the family have done the, the, the Doherty, and my mother was the Fritz. <clears throat> That's, been, <clears throat> excuse me. That's been done by other people. I just uh, started working on this uh, from uh, <clears throat> the, the geographical uh, thing, but the uh, started with tax lists and uh, than you know leases and uh, that kind of thing to uh, find out who was here. <laughs> so, what was your inspiration to to do this? Well, um, basically, as I said, it started with this, this, and then when I found out that uh, it was a, a a patent from the English Crown, uh, and that uh, there were very few uh, mortgages or deeds because the Beekman family. Uh, were tenant were were manorial landowners, uh, and so I, uh, you know, I talked about uh, this to a, a couple of uh, uh, groups, uh, genealogy societies, and that about what I was finding because not too much was known about it, and uh, they they a few people suggested that I put some of what I found in uh, in book form, so I started with my first volume, the historical records, in 1990. And after that, I began with the surnames of everyone who lived in this area. The historical records include maps of the origin of the Beekman patent, the lease system, early life on the patent, the precinct town records, military history, you know, that kind of thing. I found about 240 pages or so of uh, information on the Revolutionary War, which is uh, pretty much new to uh, the, the county that hadn't been published before. Um, I also found uh, early letters from Henry Beekman, about 100 pages in the first book, uh, back and forth to his relatives and about the uh, the manor and the, the tenants and who paid and who didn't pay. And uh, Also, I had a, a diary of Robert G. Livingston, Jr., who was uh, part of the Beekman descendants uh, who lived in the patent. So that was the, uh, the beginning of it. As I said, uh, going on from there, I started with the alphabet uh, of the people who are here, and now I've got... 12 books under my belt. Okay, so then the uh, what you were talking about at the beginning, those are individual books that uh, people can purchase? Yes, yeah. I have, uh, the books are available uh, from the New England Historical Genealogical Society plus on my website. I also uh, have the books on CD and uh, the, all the chapters from the uh, the uh, 11 books so far are available at my website as individual chapters for very low cost. Okay. All right. I don't so put the it, last sounds, one out. it sounds like we yeah. we need to be reading these these other books in addition to the family surname books. Um yes. Yeah, these okay. uh, well my books my books include 50 or 60 or more uh, chapters, and each one is a uh, surname in the books. 
Okay. All right. So then what the, the surname books, what is the scope? Uh, what have you included in terms of uh, geography and time generations? Are you including male and female lines? So that, that kind of thing um, for the scope. Yes. Um, I start really with uh, the tax lists. If people are here and show up on the tax lists, then I go and look for uh, land records um, and from there, I, I get uh, um, genealogical information, obviously. Um, I, uh, I use court records. Um, I have a, a, little, a specialty that I have kind of in uh, store books. I, I found uh, about 60 store books for, in this area, and uh, three of them uh, have probably uh, over 1,000 pages uh, between them uh, for pre-revolutionary and the store books are uh, really important. I think you've seen one of my store books, as a matter of fact. Uh, yes. They're very important because they establish relation, family relationships and uh, who, who, who they deal with in other families. Um, and it's, uh, it's really very interesting material. They will list, uh, you know, Darty, uh, his son Darren was at the uh, store, and uh, his wife Mary was at the store. And... Uh, when you don't have uh, deeds and mortgages, um, then you, this type of material becomes uh, very handy and very informative. And um, so, and then after that, of course, uh, I use probate. Um, I use military records, uh, and I use military records somewhat differently from probably other people. Uh, I know almost everybody uses Revolutionary War records. Um, I use muster rolls also for uh, the uh, French War in 1755-1764 and the, uh, the Revolution. Um, I found muster rolls for them, which uh, I were published in the uh, New York Genealogical and Biographical Society, uh, I think eight or nine different quarterlies. Um, a lot of records were burned in Albany in the uh, fire in, in 1911. And uh, when I was up there years and years ago, I found lots, lots of volunteers trying to piece together all the uh, burnt shards. And uh, checking in the National Archives, I found that a number of the records had been sent to uh, Washington about uh, 1896 or so and were on film. And uh, those records are really valuable because they list the uh, birthplace of the uh, person in the muster, um, their age, their height, uh, color of their eyes, color of their hair, their, their visage, um, what they look like, uh, their occupation, um, and the company that they belong to. And uh, I came up with uh, oh, hundreds of people uh, through that, uh, that method in the, uh, that, as I said, was published in the record. And so you, how did you know to look at all of these records, not having been a family historian? Uh, I, I know, he, as you mentioned, he's a, a noted historian, genealogist yeah. in Dutchess County and has done a lot of work with these types of records. Yeah. I worked with Clifford, and uh, as I said, I started on this house, and uh, he said all he knew it was an old house, and uh, it had been the first uh, leased out to the to Peter Dopp and then to a fellow by the name of Davidson, and then the John Brown 
purchased it about 1803. And so I started looking for John Brown. I never did find his ancestry, although I have some clues, finally, after 20 years. Um, and uh, Clifford would provide me with some information. We'd, and we'd sit down. I found out that uh, he had corresponded with just uh, literally thousands of people. And he used to work for like uh, $2 an hour or something. And uh, he lent me or copied for me a lot of the correspondence that he had with other people. And uh, then I started uh, accumulating uh, the records for myself so I could uh, proceed. And it started with uh, the Brown family. Um, I found out, by the way, that the Dop Family Association uh, existed and was down in, uh, I think, Greensboro, Pennsylvania, down there. Uh, and uh, they were thrilled to find, uh, when I found them and told them that this was the original house, uh, I went down and we had a, a dinner or something with them. That was kind of interesting. But this went way back, and uh, some of the Dops turned out to be loyalists. But uh, Peter Dop raised five children on this uh, in this house. Uh, the house at the time was uh, probably no more than about uh, 20 by 25 or something like that. And uh, it's got a, uh, a, a small loft in it. That part of the house was put onto the larger 4 over 4 colonial, which was built around 1810 or so. So that was, uh, again, that was the start. And then I found out uh, who the neighbors were. And, uh, of course, I looked into the dops. And then uh, I just decided, you know, let's start from the beginning and start the A's, which I did. So. And so the focus is only the Beekman patent, or do you go across the the boundary of the Beekman patent in, in the families that you've included? Um, I do go across because they, they moved around a lot. And also, I, I get into uh, marriages and follow some, fa uh, some uh, female lines. Uh, so I, I work with, uh, well, the Dutch County was originally set up as three wards. There was the South Ward, the Middle Ward, and the North Ward. And the Beacon Patent was primarily in the Middle Ward. The South Ward eventually became Putnam County in 1812. But people moved from the South Ward into the Beacon Patent. And so I would use the tax lists and some of the other records uh, to follow them from, uh, let's say, what's now Brewster or Carmel, New York, which is where I went to school. Um, and then uh, into the Beekman patent, and um, sometimes they then wind up going to uh, the other areas, uh, such as Poughkeepsie or Rombout, which is Fishkill. Uh, so I do go outside, but uh, the, the name has to be has to show up in the Beekman patent. My criteria for including them is uh, they have to be on the tax list um, or some other record, court record or a church record or something uh, to be included in my study. So you mentioned that you do both male and female lines. So uh, what's your time frame? Are you, are you going well into the 1800s, or is there a cutoff uh, for how long you're, uh, well, you take a family in gen generations? Yeah, I, I start with the immigrant if I can find them. And a lot of the uh, in, information about the immigrant is, is out there. Um, so I concentrate on the information that I find locally. Um, I go to 1810 uh, because the 1810 census for the, for the Beekman, Beekman town 
which became a town after uh, it was a precinct. The Beekman uh, Town Census and the Fishkill Town Census in 1810 include an agricultural census, which was uh, kind of unusual. I haven't found it in many other places. It listed, uh, if you had a loom or a mill, uh, it, it listed the number of horses, cattle, sheep, and uh, the number of yards of cloth you had woven that year and the number of looms you had. So it's uh, very informative. And then I also <coughs> excuse me, used the 1850 census for Dutchess County um, <clears throat> to follow the families that uh, were born, obviously, by 1780 or something like that. So they're still alive. Of course, that's the first census that's really informative. It gives you the names of the, the people. It gives you the uh, their uh, their wealth in uh, land and uh you know, much more informative than most of the censuses up till then. Okay. All right. So um, on that note, we are going to take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to get a, a little bit of the history of the Beekman patent and talk more about uh, Frank's books. Uh, so this is the Forget-Me-Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. This is the Forget-Me-Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told. As you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, you'll see a follow button. If you press that, you'll get an email letting you know that the show is going on the air, who the guest is, and what the topic is. You'll also see a bunch of social media buttons on the Blog Talk page. Uh, please share uh, the uh, Forget-Me-Not Hour with your friends and family on social media. 
Uh, you'll also find archives uh, for over five years for the Forget Me Not Hour. Please take advantage of many, many timeless shows. And uh, finally, you can catch uh, the Forget Me Not Hour on iTunes. Uh, so you can take it on the go. Uh, it's under Jane E. Wilcox. So today we are talking about settlers of the Beekman patent, and my guest is Frank Dougherty. And so, Frank, uh, let's just talk briefly about the history of the Beekman patent. Who was Henry Beekman, and what is the Beekman patent? Okay. Well, the uh, Henry Beekman uh, was an immigrant from, um, I think, Holland. <laughs> I have it in the book, my first book. But anyway, uh, he was... Uh, uh, very involved in uh, New York State politics early on. But his son, Henry Beekman Jr., um, was the one who really uh, managed the patent. But anyway, the Beekman patent was one of several patents in the Mid-Hudson Valley that were granted by the provincial government in the later part of the 17th century. And Henry Beekman was one of them. The history of that is really the English had moved in, into New York after the Dutch left in 1674. And uh, they feared that uh, the land that they had uh, just uh, occupied uh, was going to be lost to the French because they were moving, moving down from Canada. And so they uh, granted these patents, which were uh, very substantial uh, land grants. Uh, the Beekman patent, for instance, there were two Beekman patents, one in the Rhinebeck area and one in the one that I'm studying, which is in the southeast corner of Dutchess County. Uh, but that was 48,000 acres. So that's a substantial piece of land. Uh, Henry, Colonel Henry Beekman, the father, was granted his first patent in April of 1697. But the meets and bounds were defective, and he petitioned for a new patent in June 1703, which was granted. And all the history books just say that the patent was granted in 1703, but actually uh, it was in 1697. Um, it was first settled... Uh, by the Palatines, uh, who came over and uh, were working, as I said, the Rhinebeck area, and by around, and they were here in 1710. Uh, by around 1720, uh, I guess he was running out of uh, land up there um, because the Rhinebeck patent wasn't that large, and he started sending people down to populate the Beekman patent or the back lots, which is the subject of my study. Um, and as Palatine immigrants were the first ones that came down. <clears throat> uh, then we had Dutch families that uh, had come up the river and populated the area around Fishkill and Poughkeepsie, and they started moving into the patent. Um, and then after that, the patent was somewhat divided. There's a, a ridge of mountains that runs north and south um, about uh, four miles maybe from the Connecticut border, which is now in the Pauling area. And... Uh, that area over on the east side of the uh, mountain range started to be settled by Quakers, mostly from uh, Dartmouth and other New England towns and by uh, some Quakers from uh, Long Island. Uh, almost all the tenants were farmers. Uh, eventually, a number branched out and took up occupations, uh, you know, millers and coopers and storekeepers. Um, the average uh, farm that was leased out was 200 acres. And the rent was due May 1st every year on the Ladies' Day, they call it. And the uh, usual rental was 20 bushels of sweet merchantable winter wheat 
uh, two fat fowls and one day's work on the roads. As I said, my farm is so small, 60 acres, that uh, the only rental was two fat fowls, and uh, Peter Dopp didn't always make it. He, uh, I guess, ate the chickens instead of giving them up. Uh, many of the tenants uh, had trouble paying their rents, and they posted bonds in lieu of the wheat payments. Uh, the, uh, all the leases by the uh, landlord established uh, the distance that the uh, tenant would have to, have to take the wheat to the mill. And so a number of mills were uh, established on all the streams that had enough force to, and we have some fairly decent records on some of them. Um, and so some of them, as I said, they, they posted bonds and eventually they, they left the farm uh, because they couldn't keep it up or they shared the farm with somebody new. But uh, the whole thing was, uh, uh, as I said, uh, rented out to tenants. Uh, now, in 1717, um, Henry Beacon Sr. died, and the uh, patent was split up uh, between uh, his three uh, children. There was uh, Henry Jr., um, Catherine, and Cornelia, and uh, they were all in the, in, involved in the patent. Um, Catherine married three times, and lastly to uh, Albert Pauling in Pauling, New York, which is where Quaker Hill is, and uh, a lot of rather famous people live anymore. Um, Pauling is named after her. And the uh, other child, uh, the daughter is Cornelia Beekman. She married Gilbert Livingston, Jr. And uh, one of my sources of information on the patent is the uh, the Rhinebeck Rent Book, which was kept by uh, Gilbert Livingston. And uh, that has a lot of uh, information on the uh, on the leases and on the people who are here. So, uh, other information about uh, Henry, he donated land for an early Lutheran church um, and was serviced by ministers from New York. It was a Lutheran. And it was served by uh, ministers from the Lutheran congregation in New York and by the Zion Lutheran Church of Athens. Um, that's been caused a lot of confusion in uh, genealogies. Uh, I've read many where they think the people moved to Athens, which is in Greene County on the other side of the river. But the minister came down here and did baptisms and marriages and recorded it in his book in Athens. So that's just a little history about uh, the patent and some of the people in it. Okay. So got all of these these people in the Beekman patent, uh, and you said your criteria was that they had to have – lived in the Beekman patent at some point. Um, you've got all of these records. So how did you keep track of all of these families and the data? I'm, I'm thinking from a, a researcher's point of view. You, you have so much information. Well, I uh, started with manila folders, and uh, I have a couple of file cabinets, uh, two file cabinets, about eight drawers right behind me. Uh, and that's way back when. And uh, when I'd research, you know, I'd go through some kind of record, let's say a, a military record or uh, some, you know, a mortgage or something, whatever, uh, and I'd see a, a name other than the one I was looking for necessarily, and I'd put it on a little scrap of paper, and I'd drop it into that file. And so, uh, you know, after 30 years of collecting this stuff, uh, when I'd start on a on a, uh, a family on the computer, I have right at this time I have uh, 
notes and files on all the families that I have to do yet. But I'll go back to the manila folder and pull it out and put all these little scraps of paper in there first about somebody that, uh, you know, a marriage that uh, doesn't show up. I've been working on the Storm family and, uh, and a tremendous amount of work done on that. But uh, through my other sources, the store books and uh, some old newspapers and things that I use, uh, you know, I, I can still add to uh, all of these families. So I, that's what I did. But as I said, uh, later, after I got a little more sophisticated on the computer, I just set up a file for every name and then just kept dumping all the information in there. And then when I get to work on that family, uh, <clears throat> then I start putting it together and trying to make some sense out of it. So when was the first uh, surname book, book published? Um 92, I think I've got it right here. Let's take a look. <laughs> 1993. Okay, and that was All right. uh, and, the family's Abbott to Birch. Okay, and then how many years prior to that had you started researching the families? I guess about uh, 1989, something like that. I published the first uh, historical book, as I said, it was uh, I think 1990. Uh, it was 1990. So I think as I was working on that book, I started realizing that, uh, you know, I should consider uh, moving ahead with the uh, the families. So I started accumulating the data about eight, 89 or 90. Okay. All right. And then have you discovered some families uh, like from the A's and B's that you did not uh, have in that book that uh, you now are aware did live in the Beekman patent? Um, not uh, too many, but I, I I do wind up when when I get into a, a later family, you know, in any of the other books, and you get intermarriages, and then you say, geez, you know, that lady, she must have lived in the patent because she married the guy. Usually, they marry the guy next door. Um, so then I'll go back and look, and I do have uh, additions and corrections in my books and on the CDs uh, to catch up with a lot of that information when I find it. Okay, and where will we One find the, those additions and corrections? Um, they'll be on the CDs, they're, and, and they're in subsequent books. Unfortunately, okay. uh, it's hard to correct the book and send the, the book out again, but it's on the CDs, and uh, if, uh, let's say, your family was in the uh, second volume, which would be uh, added to Birch, uh, and there's corrections, it might be in the third volume or the fourth volume, depending on the Okay, so we... But I so do, we need to check all yeah. volumes. Well, yeah, or the the CD. Um, okay. I have a C. I I used to charge a lot a lot of money for the CD, but now uh, all twelve volumes are available on one CD for one hundred twenty five dollars. So anybody wants to get caught up, that's the way to do it, I guess. Okay. All or right. the individual family, the individual family uh, chapter, which is on the website, uh, is also always brought up to date. So okay. All right. And did help. did you exclude any families? Yes. Person was on the tax list for only one year, and I couldn't find any other information on them, uh, of uh, you know leases or uh, store books or court records or marriages or anything like that. Then there wasn't any sense in wasting my time and just posting a name. 
so that that's really the uh, the only exclusion. I I didn't uh, discriminate in any way against uh, anybody unless they weren't there, basically. So, Okay. All right. And then um, you've mentioned a variety of records. Is, is there one yeah. uh, type of record that you enjoyed the most uh, researching or, uh, you know, just uh, stood out to you? Well, the, well, the, I'd say the lease records and the store records uh, and, and some church records are always interesting. Uh, the lease records uh, provided me uh almost always uh, three names in the family. The, uh, the leases were for three lives, and that's an, an interesting concept, by the way. I've had discussions with people that uh, I would have a lease that has a, the name of uh, a child who was five years old or something. They say, well, that's not legal. Well, the way it worked is the lease was for the longest of the three lives. So you're not going to put your oldest son or daughter on the lease. You're going to put your youngest so that the uh, the farm can stay in the family after uh, the original uh, lessee uh, passes away. Um, where was I? The lease, well, the lease records, uh, as I said, they're they're very information, a lot of information in them. But uh, also the uh, the store books, as I mentioned, they have uh, the names of a lot of people that, and also. They're very informative as to uh, what the people purchased, uh, what they brought to the store. Uh, and, of course, most of this is barter. They would bring in um, wheat mostly, but also flax, uh, butter, uh, hogs. Uh, they would cart uh, merchandise from the store to the river, um, usually Poughkeepsie or, or Fishkill, where it would go down river to the city. Um, and uh, the uh, the church records, as I say, are uh, always fascinating, but mostly the Baptists and the Quakers, um, because it it seems like uh, it was uh, a lot of goings on here. Uh, that uh, and the people always had to be telling everybody about who they saw with whom and all that kind of stuff. Um, the Baptists uh, were not helpful ge- uh, genealogically too much because they didn't baptize young children. And the Quakers uh, were unhelpful at times uh, because if you did something wrong and you were uh, excommunicated from the meeting, uh, they expunged your name from the records. So those are things that are challenging. Interesting. I, as you were talking about the uh, store ledgers, I need to put a plug in for those. Um, as you mentioned, I did uh, borrow one of the store ledgers uh, that you used, uh, which was the Mabbitt store uh, in yep. the, which now the town of Washington in Dutchess County. And they are my uh, latest favorite type of record to use. Uh, and now I, yep. after using the Mabbitt store ledger, I know uh, that I need to start looking for these ledgers in any research and any family that I'm using because they are so wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, I think, I think, you know, Alan Wilcox and uh, he has me taking pictures of pages of the, uh, one of the stores. Uh, I think the, uh, the uh, merit store on Quaker Hill uh, for his uh, family research. 
so that they're they're very interesting. Um, the slate store uh, was actually in the Beekman patent. It was over near Greenhaven Prison in the Stormville area, and uh, that's just a wonderful book. I was able to purchase that 20 years ago, um, and uh, it's about 600 pages of uh, ledger size, and it's uh, clear as a bell. And uh, I had all of these filmed, by the way, and then I uh, did uh, indexes with, uh, you know, a little uh, annotated index. So I'd, I'd list uh, Joe Blow uh, purchased on uh, Jack Brown's account and that kind of thing. So I, I tied all the names together. But they're sure. very helpful. Uh, the amount of uh, rum that was sold is uh, very intriguing. But these <laughs> are tough people. It worked hard. Something keep going. They so. did. They did. So you you mentioned leases. Where did you find the leases for the Beekman patent? Well, there's two primary sources. Uh, the first one is um, I have a note here someplace on that. Here we go. Uh, the uh, the first one is the uh, the Rhinebeck rent book which I said was kept by uh, Gilbert Livingston, uh, that's located in the New York Historical Society in New York City. And then a larger collection of leases and Beekman Livingston papers, that's the Firestone Library at Princeton University in New Jersey. That's the Edward Livingston Papers Delafield Collection. And uh, they were only found at uh, Montgomery Place near Barrytown, New York, I think about uh, 20 years ago. I, they didn't, I didn't know about them uh, when I published my first book. So, well, maybe it was 1992 or something that were found. But uh, that's a, a, a huge wealth of information. And again, I had, uh, oh, got about uh, eight or ten rolls of microfilm that they, they did for me. But they're uh, great information, as I say, that primarily because of the, uh, the three lives that uh, were on the leases. And they, they're also describe the land, meets and bounds of the farms. Uh, and they also, uh, usually on the back of the lease, there will be the, the assignments. The lease was assigned or sold to uh, the next tenant. And some of them have uh, three or four on the uh, on the, the back of the lease itself. So. All right, very good. And, and then are started. there any records that you know about that you haven't used? I don't use DNA, which I know is becoming you know, very popular now in the genealogical area. Uh, again, because uh, you know, if it were my family, and then I'd get into that, but I, I can't really spend the time looking up people uh, who, with, with the surname. Uh, first of all, a lot of people have moved out of this area. There's not there's a lot of surnames that uh, still are here, but uh, not not enough to, I think, make it worth my while to try that. So I rely on, uh, you know, the uh, the church records that do exist, um, the Rombaut Presbyterian Church, Rombaut and Poughkeepsie Churches are, are good records, although they, they have uh, blanks in them. The Poughkeepsie Dutch Reformed Church is, uh, you know, a very good collection from about 1720 on, I guess, but it's got uh, blanks in it. Um, the uh, Lutheran churches, um, they, the first church set up in the Beekman patent was the Lutheran church. Uh, and that, as I said, was serviced by uh, 
ministers from New York and from Athens, New York. And um, I was trying to think of uh, some other uh, church. Well, the uh, the Dutch Reformed Church records, by the way, are really about the best because the Dutch all the Reformed churches use the maiden name of the uh, mother, um, which when you're just working with leases and uh, you know deeds and mortgages, you may get the first name of the mother, but uh, when the Dutch Reformed churches, like the Fishgill and the Hopewell, Gipsy, uh, all include the name of the uh, the maiden name of the mother, so that's helpful. All right. Okay. So uh, we are going to take a break right now. This is the Forget Me Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told, and we will be right back. This is the Forget-Me-Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told. We will be back on uh, July 20th, the third Wednesday of the month, at a time to be determined. My guest uh, joining us from Australia uh, will be Helen V. Smith. She's the author of two books that we'll be featuring on the show. Uh, The first is Google, The Genealogist's Friend. And uh, her second book is Archaic Medical Terms. Uh, So that should be a a fun show with Helen. Again, that will be on uh, July 20th. And then on the first Wednesday of the month, August 3rd, uh, my guest will be Gordon Remington. And he's the author of the New York State Probate Records book. Um, He's going to be talking about New York probate records. And that will be at 1030 in the morning Eastern time. Uh, And that is on August 3rd. If you have any questions for upcoming guests, uh, suggestions for topics, or any feedback for the show, you can find me at janewilcox.com. I would love to hear from you. Um, And then for those of you who are in western New York, uh, coming up in uh, about a week and a half, I will be speaking at the Women's Rights National Historical Park in Seneca Falls for convention days. And I will be speaking on Sunday, uh, the afternoon, July 17th, uh, with two talks. Uh, One is uh, Tale of Woe, an 18th century woman's story. And the other is Forget Me Not, uh, Remembering Grandmother's Stories. And this is a a several-day event. Uh, uh, The Director uh, Emeritus of the Smithsonian will be there. Um, And so please, uh, if you're in western New York, uh, come out for convention days. And I'll be back there uh, in Seneca Falls on Friday, August 26th for Women's Equality Day. And I'll be giving uh, another talk, uh, uh, Finding American Women's Voices Through the Centuries. Uh, So please come out and join me in Seneca Falls. Uh, 
Today, we are uh, talking about the Beekman patent with uh, my guest, Frank uh, Dougherty. And so, Frank, you, you mentioned that uh, you did not have access to the, the leases when you wrote your first uh, book or, or two. What other differences that, that we will see between the first volumes and then the volumes that you're publishing now as, as you became a more seasoned uh, uh, author? Well, um, I have found uh, some more sources for one thing. Um, I kept I've kept digging. Uh, I, I located uh, during the Revolutionary War when the British occupied New York City, two newspapers left the city, and uh, one went to um, Hudson, New York, um, Hudson or Kingston, I forget which, and the other one went to uh, Fishkill, and. Uh, the records of them are in the New York Historical Society and I think the New York G&B, I'm not sure. But I, I was kind of able to get copies of the newspapers. And uh, they were you know, publishing in the middle of the Revolutionary War and uh, tremendous information about the war and all that kind of thing, but also a lot of local information about uh, Oh, uh, the Tories, uh, the Tories are always uh, very interesting here. We had a, a lot of uh, loyalists in this area. Um, and so that information has augmented uh, what I had prior. Uh, the store books, obviously, um, I think, well, I got the, uh, the muster rolls for the uh, Sword Outs Minutemen, which I said, I think I mentioned I published in the New York G&B. Um, and I've become a little more sophisticated. When, he first, when I first started out, I had a, an old clunky computer, a K-Pro, and uh, I moved on to, uh, you know, better and bigger and better uh, machinery, if you will. Um, I've, uh, I find that indexing is still difficult, but uh, I, I try and get everything in. Um, and I've, I do follow the uh, female lines more and uh, I didn't when I first started. I didn't. Uh, I didn't dig as deeply as I, I could have, perhaps. Uh, but that's that's pretty much it. I'm, uh, I just I have, I'm surrounded by books, and well, I have uh, a hundred behind me. I have about a hundred rolls of microfilm and over a thousand microfiche. Um, I have. Uh, I belong to Ancestry and Heritage Quest and the New York G&B, and uh, I have sources all over the place that uh, I didn't have when I started. Uh, I have uh, a lot of information about Vermont uh, because uh, people left here and went there. Um, people also left here after the French and Indian War. They got their billeting money and went up to uh, areas around Albany and uh, Scattercoke. Uh, people would uh, baptize their children here and then the next year or two years after you'd find the uh, same people baptizing their children in the Scattercoke Dutch Reformed Church, which is uh, uh, all those records have been published and they're very helpful. They're some of the best uh, records for churches in this area. So, you know, I, I add as I uh, and I improve when I get uh, better information. So that's uh, pretty much the, the changes. Okay, all right. And how many uh, books do you have left to publish? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm working <laughs> on uh, volume 13, and uh, I'm hoping to get into the T families. 
Um, I'm working on Storm, as I said, but I skipped a couple of the earlier S's uh, because I know Storm is going to be a, a real job. Um, and then uh, we have a lot of these. We had a lot of Dutch, uh, you know, van this and van that. Um, and uh, WC. I, I think we've probably got three more books after this one, at least. Okay. Uh, and I hope that live that long because each one takes about two years. Yeah. I was just going to ask about about how long uh, will it take you? Okay. Well, All right. uh, for a number of years, I was able to do them every two years, um, but this one is uh, going to be two and a half or so, and uh, again, don't have the energy I guess I used to have. It sure. requires sitting at the computer all day. Yes, oh. yeah, which is very taxing. I'm finding uh, I I stand at my computer now, rather than sit. Good. So. Yeah. What did you learn about these people that that you didn't know when you started doing the research? Well, um, a number of things. I found out that uh, they're extremely poor. They have tax lists, which I mentioned before, that Clifford Buck had done. Uh, the average person was their assets were valued at one pound. Um, the merchants uh, and and Nicholas Amy, the first settler in the, the patent, by the way, uh, he had uh, assets of 15 pounds or so. But the, the merchants were the uh, the wealthiest people. Um, uh, also, I learned that uh, some Native Americans were slaves to the earliest settlers, including the Amy's. Um, uh, we had, uh, as early as 1714, we had 29 slaves in the county, I found. Uh, the customs of the people, uh, Palatines, for instance, I guess in Germany, they built mostly stone houses. So uh, Nicholas Amy, when he settled, where he settled in the, the Clove Valley, which is part of the town of Unionvale, which is one of five towns that came out of the Beacon Patent. Uh, he built a house in 1740, and uh, it's he marked it right on the house, 1740, and that's still standing. So uh, it was interesting to see that and several others uh, the Stover family was another family that uh, built a stone house, and they were uh, from there. Um, uh, the Nicholas Amy was uh, erroneously named as the first white child, by the way, born in Dutchess County by Benson Lossing and by the uh, Smith History of Dutchess County. I found, uh, studying the Palatines, that he was actually a Palatine immigrant, and he came over in 1710, so he was not the first child born in the county. Uh, I learned that, uh, talking about slavery, that the Quakers outlawed slavery and took action against people owning slaves uh, in the 18th century. Um, they were really the first, uh, they, they were pacifists, uh, and uh, they were very uh, honorable people in that respect, that uh, you, uh, you couldn't have slaves and you would be read out of the meeting if they found you had slaves or you'd bought a slave. Um, they also uh, suffered um, because they refused to show up for musters, and that uh, the uh, the patriots, if you will, at the, at the time, this is mostly the French and Indian War originally, um, would come around and they'd take your cow or you'd take uh, a horse or uh, some weed or something because you were punished for not showing up at musters. There's no such thing as, uh, you know, a religious exemption in those days. Um, the Quakers also started schools. Um, I have a, in 
one of my early books. Uh, I have quite a bit about that, uh, the, the time they had trying to raise the money to uh, get schools established. Um, the other interesting item was <clears throat> on Quaker Hill, the uh, largest meeting house, Quaker meeting house in the county is on Quaker Hill, and that was a uh, hospital during the Revolution. Uh, George Washington's army was stationed on Quaker Hill from the middle of September 1778 to the end of November uh, when the paper says they left for the Jerseys. So there's some things that pop up that, uh, you know, some of it you'll find in the local histories, but, uh, you know, using the uh, George Washington papers and uh, other papers and the leases and things, uh, he stayed, by the way, at uh, the, the Kane house, and Kane was a, a Tory. Um, but uh, he, he he left, and then Washington moved in. But uh, that was some of the few things that I thought were kind of interesting. Very, very interesting. Is there anything that surprised you that you haven't mentioned? Um, well, yeah, the, the poverty, uh, the fact that they did uh, have uh, allocations set aside every uh, every year for each uh, precinct uh, to take care of the poor. Um, I just finished an article on apprenticeships. Uh, people that uh, were poor, they they put their children out to uh, other families. The Quakers uh, were involved in that. They'd arrange, uh, or, or they'd supply a cow to a family that uh, was poor. Uh, someone would loan loan them a cow so, to take care of uh, you know milk for the young kids. Uh, there was a a fair amount of. Uh, community, even though these 200-acre farms, you didn't get too many houses very close together. But uh, there was, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing that they, they did work together. Of course, they had annual meetings, and uh, the, the annual meetings, you had uh, the appointment of tax collectors and uh, poor masters. That was uh, poor masters and the uh, town justice uh, were always involved in manumitting slaves and in uh, Oh, cases of uh, illegitimate births. Uh, we had a few where the uh, the poor masters were not sure that the mother was going to uh, nurse the child, um, so they would she would have to post a bond that uh, ordinarily it was the the uh, father of the of the illegitimate child who had to post a bond, but in a couple of cases the uh, the mother had to. Oh, very um, interesting. And so you know that kind of thing was uh, new to me and interesting. Wow! Wow! Well, thank thank you uh, for sharing this. Uh, do you do you have any favorite families that you have researched? Um, yeah, the uh, the Amy family was of course interesting because it was one of the first families here. He and Hendrick Yule uh, both settled at the same time in uh, the Clove Valley, uh, and as I said, because of the fact that he had a large family and they were wealthy compared to everyone else, um, and then. Uh, the Buck family, when I found out uh, who had started the farm here, um, uh, Vincent Buck uh, was the first Buck in this, this house, but he, he married uh, the girl next door. Um, and then uh, the uh, the Bucks were, the, the sons were all born around uh, 1900. And uh, I have their original sled and uh, buckboard, by the way, that they used to take <laughs> to uh, Poughkeepsie to school. Um so that that family was interesting, and of course, then John Lossingbuck married Pearl Buck, and she was here for a while, and then uh, they divorced, and he married a 
a lady by the name of Lomay. She was a Chinese lady. And, of course, the Brown family, trying to find out about them. Uh, John Brown, unfamiliar name. He was uh, quite a carpenter, and uh, he uh, did some very, very nice work in the house, uh, very ornamental uh, around the window trims and things like that. And uh, they were good. And next door to me, just down the road a half a mile, is called the Baird Park. And it's a New York State park where I get to play golf, rarely. Uh, but at one time, that was called Brown's Pond. John Brown's son, John D. Brown, owned it all, or most of it. And then his son, um, John S. Brown, I guess, or Stephen Brown, one, anyway, one of his sons was there for a long time, too. And that's a, a, a really very large park right now. It's off the Tagalog State Parkway. So there, that was an interesting family. And uh, I, followed the, I followed them quite a bit in my book. Okay. All right. Um, before we uh, close the show, is there anything you would like to add about uh, the books and the Beekman patent? No. Uh, other than they're somewhat different from a lot of genealogies. Um, I don't the uh, the father and the mother and the children and that kind of thing. I I get into uh, the land. I get into the uh, um, oh the, the, all the court records. The uh, the newspaper articles, uh, the store the store books, um, and just put in everything to make these people come alive. So other than just uh, names on a page, and uh, you know that's why I wind up with uh, chapters. Right now I'm working on chapters about 70 pages, and it's all uh, around about the different people. So. Sure. Okay, well, thank you, and and thank you for uh, what you have done with your uh, in service uh, for the Beekman patent, and uh, it's uh, just wonderful. Um, so, in well, closing, it's kept me kept me busy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can imagine. Uh, so, in closing, what is your own ancestry? You you mentioned you have nobody on the Beekman patent yourself. No, uh, my ancestry is German and Irish. Um, and my mother's ancestry uh, is really German. She's Fritz, Fritz and Schneider. And uh, my father is just, uh, as I said, the, uh, he was Doggerty out of uh, Ireland about uh, three generations ago. But, and they came down from Canada. So that was, I always found that interesting. But as I said, I really haven't done that. Others in the family have because I've been too busy doing these others. Okay. So. All right. And is there any ancestor uh, that, that uh, you know, your family has researched that has called out to you? Not really. Uh, my mother's father, uh, there was a rumor that uh, he was chased out of Germany or her grandfather, I don't know which one, for some uh, evil deed. But, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've studied him a little bit, but uh, not too much. But he was the emigrant to the country on her side. Okay. All right. And then how about from the Beekman patent? Is there one individual that uh, really stood out to you? Um, uh, uh, my name is uh, Augustus Barker uh, stood out he was a uh, he took the census and uh, allegedly Lafayette uh, wrote a poem uh, a rather long poem about uh, Samuel Augustus Barker his name actually was and uh, that was that impressed me somewhat because Lafayette was you know a significant hero of the revolution in this country and uh, 
to have him admire this guy so much that I have that in my second book, I guess. Uh, but anyway, it, uh, that that always interested me. And as I said, he was the one that uh, took the census that included the agricultural <clears throat> information um, for Fishkill and uh, Beekman. So he was uh, okay. one of the guys that they grew all right, very good. And I, I actually I meant to mention that uh, the link to Frank's website where you can purchase books is on the blog talk page. Uh, so please uh, take a look at the website. Um, so Frank, thank you so much for joining us. This has been wonderful, just so informative. Well, Jane, thanks for uh, having me on. It's uh, you know I like talking about it. As I said, I've been at it for uh, 30 years or so now. So <laughs> um, I like to get the word out too that uh, – you know, a lot of people do order the chapters on the website uh, or the CDs, uh, which are a lot less expensive than the books. And so I appreciate the bug. And uh, this is the forget-me-not hour. I mean, you're welcome. Uh, this is the forget-me-not hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.